Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Amy, how you doing? Ready for I'm Columbus? Getting, uh, oh, absolutely. We are getting uh, our bags packed and planning our restaurant reservations, and we are all set. Oh, that sounds good. I, I really appreciate the restaurant part, and I am looking forward to Columbus. we got a great interview today with Nick Nye, who is a pastor at Veritas Community Church in Columbus, and he is going to tell us all about what to see, what to eat, what to do in Columbus. I mean, it is just, uh, he's got all the insider tips. Fantastic, fantastic. Is he participating in uh, Crossover? He is, he is. Their, their church is like one of the bases for Crossover, so he's uh, deep in the throes of it, I'm sure, today. They've got a bunch of uh, block parties this weekend that they're doing around the city. He's got four, <laughs> I think, four different locations, three or four different locations for their church, so they've got yeah. they've got the city blanketed. And, uh, yep, got we've a lot got going uh, on. Se- seminary students, I think, from five different institutions yeah. are there this week. So, yeah. hey, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I, I got to talk to uh, my friends over at Southwestern. Did you see their shirts that they had? I have not seen them. I've heard about them. Is it online? Really, really nice looking shirts. I'm like, I got to find a way to get one of those t-shirts. I should have just gone, but I don't. I don't have any connection with Southwestern, so it's it's kind of hard to <laughs> to get a Southwestern t-shirt and go with them to crossover. But I really, really like the shirt that they did there. I have to link to that. It was uh, I saw it online today. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I think Matt Queen does a great job there and uh, really, really motivates and uh, mobilizes those students well and has a great heart for what they're doing. So I think that's pretty cool. Yep. So uh, we're, I'm looking forward to We'll talk to some people there uh, at, in Columbus when we're there uh, for the convention and get to some updates. And we'll have to share that with you next week on SBC This Week. And we'll, we'll give you kind of a, a wrap up of what happened at Crossover. And uh, yes. but today, let's, let's big news coming out uh, again this month. CP, 2.57% ahead of year-to-date projections. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, incredible news. So the, the uh, executive committee, uh, Frank Page, they put out a news release saying that representing the money they've received by the close of the last business day of May, they are uh, considerably ahead what they were, what they were projecting. Yeah, and what, what they mean? were last what does this year. Mean, Jonathan? Well, it means that giving is up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that or they sandbag their budget, which I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. They're even 2% up above where they were last year. So, I mean, it's not like the, the sandbag in the budget. That, that wasn't the case. I mean, they, they've got a, a healthy budget, a robust budget, comparative to what, what they had last year. But they're over 2.5% up over budget and over 2% up over where they had been giving last year. So this yeah. cooperative program, still healthy. Still healthy. We're uh, it, it's a good place to be going into next week, just to to have some discussions bouncing off of that, and then even hopefully to have some momentum going into this next year uh, to be able to share that good news and talk about it. Yeah, one of the questions, and we'll get into this later when we talk about the ACP data uh, that came out. Not the best of news on that, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that after the interview uh, because that is not two percent, two and a half percent up. Um, actually, it's about one and a half percent down, from what I understand. So we got membership that's down, giving yeah. this up. So thoughts on that? Is it just the nominals and the ones that who really aren't affiliated are just kind of dropping off, but the ones that are still committed are still giving? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure there are some economic reasons to play into this and, and what people are able to give. But I think that we have seen, and this seems to be the conversation every time that these polls come out, about the nuns that says, uh, as you just said, the ones who are committed are very committed. 
And so uh, I wonder if that's a trend that we are seeing. Um, I want to be really careful because I'm not a statistician, but but that's that's probably the first question that I have yeah. when I look at the two uh, pieces of data together. Could it also be that the cooperative program is being emphasized more in the churches? Because, I mean, again, this just represents what the churches are passing on. It doesn't represent giving as a whole. But you would think that if giving as a whole is up in the church, then cooperative program giving would be up as well. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. So, uh, I mean, it could be it, it could be a number of factors. So it's people giving more, it's churches giving more, it's uh, states giving more. I mean, it, it we have a lot of different places where the increase could be adding up. Yeah. So, and, and it could also be that just the economic condition of the country is in better shape than it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Right. And that's gas why, prices are, yeah. yeah, gas prices better. People are, and that's a good thing uh, if that's the case, because that shows that people are taking what they, what they may have and they're giving it in this yeah. way as mm-hmm. opposed to other ways. Yeah. So good news coming out of that. Uh, it's been up all year long. It just continues to be up, uh, you know, two and a half percent. So that, that's a great, Great bump there. And uh, we, we even talked about a little bit last week when we were mentioning the Florida Baptist Convention and how they were changing their split and how, right. you know, looking at their budget versus next year. And you would think that convention budgets, if, if CP giving is up, you would think next year that would bode well for a lot of the state conventions. Right, right. So uh, m- speaking of the states, moving on to the states, Phil Leinberger, uh, former president of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, uh, took his own life, uh, unfortunately, this past weekend. That was a, a sad story coming out of Texas. Yeah, that, that really tough. And uh, the kind of the word, he'd been on, on medical leave. He was the pastor of Sugarland Baptist Church. And basically, uh, the, the family just said he lost a battle with depression, uh, which is just a very tragic situation. It's one that we hear of every now and then and really demonstrates some of the weight and the burden that can be on uh, those who are in ministry that uh, are, they're not immune to some of those struggles. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about it later in the resource of the week section, but NAM and Lifeway and Focus on the Family all provide pastor counseling and pastor helplines. 1-844-472-7887. That's one 844 Four seven two seven eight eight seven. Again, we'll talk about that later in the show. But if uh, you're a pastor and needing to talk to someone uh, before it gets to this point, please do so. Uh, call that number there. Everything's in confidence. Thanks to the people that focus on the family for helping us out with that in the Southern yeah, Baptist Convention. Great, great resource and a huge help. I'm, I know for some people. So, all right, moving on to the entities. A uh, couple of neat things out of our our mission boards. Uh, Fred Luter was named. Uh, the new National African American Ambassador for the North American Mission Board, and he's going to focus on involving more African American churches in church planting. Yeah, and NAM, as part of this, are sharing their goal to increase the number of African American churches in the convention from four thousand to more than five thousand. So they're looking for at least a twenty-five percent increase over the next five years uh, through this initiative that Dr. Luter will be leading. Yeah. And of course, he's certainly no stranger to anyone uh, made history back in 2012 uh, in New Orleans when he was elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention, first African-American in our history. Uh, So everyone knows him, respects him, loves the the work that he has done. He's not leaving his pastorate. He's going to continue serving at Franklin Avenue, but he's going to do great, great things for Nam. And uh, I don't know if there's another Southern Baptist who is more universally liked than Fred Luter. 
I, he, he might right. have the po most positive, uh, you know, Q rating or whatever you want to call it he, from he anyone well in the SPC. Yes, he's a, a really, really delightful person and very, very appreciated and respected. Some other good news related to this that came out in the press release is that NAM has reported that the African-American church plants increased by 82.7% over the last uh, roughly 15 years uh, from 1998 to 2011. So we're seeing a rise of African-American church planting in the SBC, as well as other ethnic group church planting in the denomination. So to have a champion for that uh, and in Fred Luter, that's a great thing for NAM. Just going to push that forward. I think yeah. it's great. More great news coming out of the entities. Uh, we talked about how CP giving is up. We got Lottie Moon Missions uh, offering the finalization of that. They came Absolutely. in over $153 million, second largest, I believe, in the history of Lottie Moon offerings. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So it's it's a great news to have that come out at the same time that uh, that we're hearing this about the cooperative program because that demonstrates uh, just sort of a, a wide uh, spectrum where our giving is. And a lot of the things that we have heard about missionaries having to come off the field or us not being able to put on everyone who wants to go, when we hear things like this, I hope that that points toward sort of a positive story that's happening where we're yep. going to get start getting people back on the field and and doing more for that yeah, once and, you're there and a reminder too that this is 2014 giving so the cp giving that we talked about that was up was two and a half percent that's 2015 numbers this is 2014 numbers here with what we're talking about with imb so if you kind of project that forward you would think that maybe imb next year sets a possibly a highest uh, Lottie Moon offering on record if yeah. giving trends continue. Yeah. Um, what's really what's really great is just remembering that every bit of that offering goes yes. directly to the missionaries and their work and accounts for over half of the IMB budget. Yeah, and another interesting piece in this uh, press release too that I, I knew the number about the $51,000 per year to send one fully funded missionary overseas because I had asked that question just about two weeks ago to a friend over at IMB, but I, I'd never really broken it down to the per day cost, $141 per day that it takes to keep a, uh, a missionary overseas. So uh, we need more of those uh, overseas. And uh, David Platt and the, what we talked about a couple weeks ago in the podcast has opened up a lot of different ways, uh, the gateways uh, to get people, more people overseas through IMB. Uh, so it's exciting to see that the, the missionary offering is to its second highest total at $153 million. All right, let's uh, just lighten up for a second. Tell us some of the fun and news out of Lifeway, the yep. big announcement every yep. year. Every year in the summer, the, the big announcement, nobody really cares about anything but the <laughs> VBS theme for the next year. So that's like the yes. big news to come out of Lifeway every summer. And next year, it's going to be submerged. So submarines, underwater, should be fun. Great decorations for that. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. I actually am not one who does very well with decorating, but I can already imagine some of the great things you could do for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. John, Jonathan, do you love, as much as I did, the uh, the big VBS kickoff every year that we would get to do at Lifeway? Yeah. Well, they've kind of tempered that down the last couple of years. <gasps> a lot of this year, especially with the, the transition and moving and everything. So oh, there yeah. wasn't as big a um, a thing this year because of the transition. So that kind of kind of bummer on that. But um, it's, <sighs> so it's still they'll still have the uh, the video shoot going on soon. I believe it's usually around August. They'll do the big video shoot for the next year and uh, decorate the stage and everything. It's always really cool to see 
how they decorate everything and uh, i'm expecting a lot of underwater gear uh, hopefully, you know, it won't be stuff that was used uh, five years ago in the Nashville flood. Uh, that was uh, that was a really, really rough time. We talked about that. That was a, a anniversary recently. Uh, you yeah. and I were talking about that. I was not living here at that time. You did. Um, I, we had just moved but, back to Nashville. I'd been there a month and there we were. So, yeah. It so great. it's good that they waited, you know, gave that some time before coming out with this team. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well, I'm looking forward to seeing you in a goggle mask and snorkel very soon. Yes. But, with flippers and a wetsuit. That would yes. be in, in all seriousness, the, uh, uh, the VBS that Lifeway puts out every year is top notch and it's one of the best, uh, events of the summer. And it's a great evangelistic outreach to neighborhoods, to kids, a uh, really, really good thing that you guys do. Yeah. And if you're interested in the VBS preview events, those are going to be held in Ridgecrest, Fort Worth and Nashville in January of 2016. For more information, you can visit lifeway.com slash VBS. Now on to some more serious news. The seminaries uh, released this week are urging for tax exemption protection. Yeah, they uh, were part of a, a letter to Congress. They were actually among uh, many people who signed at 74 that really were just working specifically for this idea that the Supreme Court may approve same-sex marriage very soon. Uh, that decision we would anticipate to come out at the end of this month. Yes. And one statement that was in the middle of those uh, the oral arguments for that case, cited a uh, 1983 decision and talked about the uh, the IRS when they revoked tax exemption for Bob Jones University, that decision, and asked the question, would the same thing apply to a university or a college if it opposed same-sex marriage? And uh, the attorney said, well, I would have, I need more information, yeah. uh, or excuse me, the solicitor mm -hmm. general, I'd need more information, but it's certainly going to be an issue. And that uh, has gotten the attention of Christian educators everywhere. Yeah. Quote, going to be an issue is never something you want to hear that's, as, that's a, right. as a Christian educator or any educator or any business leader there is. That's right. So, uh, Dr. Moeller, uh, Dr. Daniel Aiken, uh, our president, Dr. Jason Allen, Jeff Orge, Paige Patterson, uh, Steve Lemke at New Orleans, the ERLC president, Russell Moore, several others, Baptist College presidents, they all signed this because it's, frankly, it's an issue that we all need to yep. be concerned about. It is. So four of the big pieces of business we will be dealing with next week in Columbus uh, were recently released in the SBC Life magazine. They're also available uh, online. They're available in the app, too, as well. Uh, you can look at those. But these are big requirements or big votes that are required to pass to, uh, to, to happen. And the first being the name change for Golden Gate Seminary. Yeah, that was voted on uh, at the executive committee back in yes. February, and that's what they're going to bring. The executive committee will bring this to us as the messengers, um, and it'll actually have to come to uh, the next two yes. SBC annual meetings. So there'll be a vote this year, and there'll be a vote next year. So yep. it's a recommendation from the executive committee, and it's just that the change from Golden Gate to Gateway Seminary because they're moving their primary yep. campus from San Francisco Bay Area to Southern California. Yeah. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to have a Golden Gate Seminary in Los Angeles area. No, it really doesn't. It really so. doesn't. This this seems to be widely understood and supported, uh, but it is something that's very important because it requires a bylaw change. We yep. do have to do two years in a row. Yes, and ironically enough, we will, the second year, uh, be voting for Gateway Seminary name change in the Gateway City, the Gateway to the West 
St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. Very so, exciting. I don't think yep. Dr. Orge planned that, but it worked out pretty nicely. No, it worked out. I think there'll be a lot of great tweets about that. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> All right. Very Number two good. is the electronic voting and quorum issues that have to be addressed. We're going to try electronic voting. I love this. I have wanted this for some time. <laughs> because... So those ballots oh there's i mean obviously you raise your your yellow paper but then the ballots where you poke through and i'll never forget the first year i went to the sbc was in greensboro in 2006 and one very important vote i did it wrong oh and i remember them saying uh so many for this candidate so many for this candidate and then this many were thrown out because they were punched incorrectly and i thought that's you. I'm gonna just crawl under this chair right now. So, um, so I love, love, love the idea of electronic voting, and I think we uh, we are kind of re- getting at that time. The technology is there to do it, and I think it could allow better, more efficient use of our time scheduling yes. the elections closer together, things yeah. like that. Well, it, it just you mentioned the scheduling elections closer together. This year, we're doing all the voting and everything in one session. So yes. there is not likely to be too much to vote on uh, when it comes to officers. Uh, I think from what I understand right now, there's only one nominee for each officer position. Yeah. But last year we had two or three for president. We had a couple for first vice president and so on and so forth. So you had had to take time. You don't know. Electronic voting eliminates a lot of that. It makes it streamlines the process and it allows for all the business to be done in one session like we're doing this year. Right. Right. And they're also clear in that the the idea about a, what a quorum means. Yes. A quorum in that is basically time. everybody yeah. who's here. Yes. Instead everybody of a here. percentage, because there have been times uh, you and I have both been in there when business has gone on and there may have been three or four hundred people in the room. Yes. Uh, and, and that really would just make it inefficient in the use of time and, and having to wait for a quorum and wait right. for things to happen, especially whenever it's matters you know it's matters of voting you know for electing officers that's very important stuff but just menial things as in advancing the schedule and still having to have a quorum to be able to vote to advance the schedule even though nobody's there you know it's it's those menial things that just really need to be kind of moved forward without the uh the necessary quorum that is called for now so there's some minor bylaw changes on that yes Yes. All right. The next one uh, that's a, a bylaw change is where NAM has asked for an expansion of their yes. ministry assignment. So this, it would just be a description of them. Yeah. And this really just allows them to agree upon assisting the International Mission Board to plant churches for specific ethnic groups that are in the United States and Canada. So basically it allows them to work together with IMB to reach the nations that are in our nation. Yes. Yes. So this is this is a good thing. And then uh, finally, that whole thing we talked about earlier where you got to do some votes two years in a row. We are in our second year of the proposed amendment to Article three, which regarded uh, qualifications for seating messengers. Yes. And there were some changes made to that last year that can all be seen online. It's kind of too much to get into right now. Um, But it really just requirements of messengers, requirements of churches how much they right. get because i think what had, had happened is they had not updated that in some time and the monet i think it was the big thing was the monetary amount wasn't it right i that think was it was it, it had to do with the number of messengers per the percentage of their yes, that's what it was and it, all of that every so 250 it, members or 250 dollars per year 
And that right. had not changed. Um, the $250 mark had not changed since 1888. Yes, which $250 looks very different now. <laughs> I think it's changed. Uh, the amount, yes. uh, $250 then and now not quite the same. Yes. So um, I think that's being moved to $6,000 now. Yes. So uh, so anyway, that one was kind of dealt with last year. It's just the second time to go through that. I imagine there won't be a ton of discussion on yeah. that because we already went through that once. Exactly. So. Exactly. While we're talking about Columbus, uh, we wanted to remind you about some of the associated events that are going on at the convention. Not official convention business, not official convention events, but events of interest. I know, Amy, you've got one. Uh, Southeastern is having a, a women's leadership breakfast. You've got a, a dual-sponsored event on Tuesday night, also with nine marks. Yes, that's correct. Uh, that one's a panel with uh, Mark Dever is going to convene with David Platt and Dr. Aiken and Dr. Moeller, I believe, to have a discussion. And so we'll help sponsor that and we'll be promoting our upcoming Nine Marks Conference this fall. And then uh, the Women's Leadership Breakfast is on Wednesday morning. Very excited about that. Uh, we don't have that many spots available. We're, we're getting close to yeah. the sold out mark. So very excited about that yeah. and have a great panel to just discuss what it means to equip. Yeah. And we've talked about the the different new events for women at the SBC this year. Uh, one of those was the tea uh, by Southwestern that they're doing at three o'clock on yeah. Monday. On Monday afternoon. And that looks like it's going to be a really neat thing, just giving an opportunity for women to connect with each other, uh, to have, you know, conversations where they meet new people. And then they're going to have these quick, it looks like three minute highlights of resources that uh, can be helpful to women uh, in many cases to ministry wives. And I, I think it looks fantastic. They've got a great lineup of people who they're highlighting there. So it's, it's going to be really fun because there's a lot for everyone to do. Yeah. And you speaking of, uh, you mentioned earlier, the nine marks event that you have, they have another one on Monday night and that's in conjunction with the RLC dealing Correct. with culture and kingdom and just the, the cultural and church intersect that there is. So we've got that as a uh, cultural church type uh, intersection event. And then you've also got Wednesday as part of the program, actually uh, the, the panel with Dr. Moeller with, uh, Russ Moore with Dr. Floyd that he's leading on culture and same-sex marriage and how to deal with that as a church. Yes, this is a great year because on Wednesday morning, the focuses of the uh, mission boards being together yeah. and the joint commissioning service, then the afternoon with this panel discussion, we're really spending a lot of time talking about cultural engagement and focusing on our mission to the, to the world, really. And it's it's a great thing because those are the times when we are really at our best, when we're th thinking together about our shared mission uh, as, as Southern Baptists, when we're thinking about how to reach the world around us. And I'm really excited about just so, several of those things being highlighted over and over again. I would agree. And also speaking of highlighting over and over again, that's kind of what we did with Nick Nye this week when in our interview with him. But before we get to that interview, we want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you in part by the Gospel Project, a chronological Christ-centered Bible study for kids, students, and adults that examines how all of Scripture gives testimony to Jesus Christ. Over the course of three years, participants will journey from Genesis to Revelation to discover how God's plan of redemption unfolds through Scripture and still today, compelling them to join the mission of God. Find out more and preview one month for free at gospelproject.com. Today we're joined by Nick Nye, who's the pastor of Veritas Community Church in Columbus, Ohio. He is going to uh, talk to us today about 
everything that's going on in Columbus right now uh, at his church at Veritas Community Church, as well as uh, what to expect when we get there. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. It's good to have you on, man. Uh, I have not been to Columbus. Amy even mentioned it earlier in the uh, episode. She hasn't been to Columbus. What do we expect when we roll in, man? Because a lot of us, I would guess for, for the majority of people coming in, if, if you haven't been there before, the only thing you know about it is Ohio State and the Horseshoe. Yeah, Columbus, I always say, is the most underrated city uh, that I've ever been to. Uh, you just, yeah, there's very few things that people know about us. But I think one of the, the reasons that a lot of a lot of people might not know is, a lot about Columbus is because it's been called the everyman city, which is that there, the city is kind of the jack of all traits, master of nothing. There's not like yeah. one or two or three things that they were known for. We just have, we're just pretty good at everything. <laughs> um, I know that sounds really football, arrogant. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I mean that in the most humble way where uh, we're good at football. Yes. And wrestling. Uh, we're champs at that. Uh, but we, um, I think we do a really good job with food and culture and, uh, our healthcare systems are great. And, uh, the economy, the city life is really fun. And the, the, the cost of living, all of that is just makes Columbus such a great city to live in. And I, I think to visit, I think almost everybody that I've had come visit has been really pleasantly surprised. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Veritas and the, the church you pastor there in the Columbus area. What part of town it's in and everything. Uh, our our uh, church has four congregations all across the city. Mm-hmm. Our uh, uh, first congregation, the one that I um, mainly live in, uh, live in the area and work on, it's uh, a few blocks actually from the convention center where the uh, SBC convention would be. Um, but we also have one in a sort of an inner city a suburb in uh, called Upper Arlington and the one on the west side and the one on the east side. And so we started, uh, though, in 2008, just six and a half years ago um, with just four of us, my wife and I and another couple, and uh, just saw a huge explosion of growth and uh, transformation. We're in a very artsy area, very artistic. It's it's going through a lot of gentrification right now. It's, um, it's really experiencing a lot of great things as well as, as far as, um, just really deep hunger for the gospel. And, and so we've seen the church grow a lot and we've seen a lot of fruit in our city being able to serve and love our city, um, and, uh, found a lot of favor within the city. And so we're, we're really thankful for where we are at this point in the church and to, um, own several buildings and um, have such deep roots within our city. Now, you said you, you planted Veritas in 2008. Were you a Columbus native from Columbus or just uh, kind of just dropped in or what? Yeah, I'm kind of a Columbus native. I'm from outside of Columbus, but my mom and dad both had offices in Columbus um, as uh, when, when so I, I spent a lot of time here as a teenager um, never expected in a million years I would move here. I, you know, usually when you live in Ohio, your first instinct is to get out of Ohio. <laughs> but Ohio just pulls you in, and uh, and so I did that to my wife and I, and uh, we we see the Lord's hand and favor in that, and we're really thankful to really be be here and be back in a city that we kind of know that we are able to see its faults, but we're also uh, have been a part of a lot of the culture that. Uh, growing up yeah now one of the uh, contributions you've made to this year's annual meeting 
is the basically the guide to Columbus that you and Dr. Philip Bethencourt did over at the ERLC website. And we're going to just run through that. Uh, and I wanted you to highlight some of your favorite places and uh, just mm. tell us some, some of the can't-miss spots. Most of us will be in there for two or three, maybe four or five days at the most. So, you know, if there's a one spot that we can't miss, I want to know about it. And uh, I want to start really at the top. I mean, the one thing I, I you know, in my little bit of re- uh, researching for about Columbus before uh, I saw this list was the, the North Market. That seemed like the place that just really looks like a, a, a fun place to, to go and check out. And that's really my plan on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the North Market's incredible. It's tons of fun. And I know I'm going to take a ton of heat if Philip Bethencourt listens to this or you you might yell at me about this, but I think the best hot chicken. Oh, wow. Not in Nashville, wow. but it's in the North Market at Hot Chicken Takeover. It's it's unbelievable. And there'll be a huge line, I'm sure. But if you like fried chicken, Hot Chicken Takeover is the place. And and what's, what's really great, by the way, is Hot Chicken Takeover actually uh, employs ex-offenders and okay. uh, people coming out of incarceration so they do they, they really have a very uh, justice bent yeah. in their strategy to into business all right tell me about bear burger because i, I think I, I saw something online about that and that looked like a, a place to be too yeah bear burger is good it's pretty new it's it's also i mean a lot of these we tried to get really close to the convention center it's you can get elk burgers you can get oh wow um buffalo like they have really unique burgers there and really great uh really great options if you're trying to be healthy and have some like decent um like turkey burgers and some things like that uh where you can go healthy well i see a lot of these are listed in the german village what what part of town how close is that to the convention center german village is south of downtown so i live north and our our church is north of downtown but just south of downtown is german village and it is beautiful to just go and walk uh brick streets and very historic homes you'll see probably more german flags hanging Hmm. uh, on people's houses than you would see american flags it's really fun i mean there's a couple places there that are real famous like schmidt sausage house which is on uh travel channel a lot and man versus food um it's if you go there you have to get the bahama mama which is like a little spicy um bratwurst it's i think it's 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 a little slice of heaven on earth so good (laughs) all right what about the uh there's another neighborhood that you mentioned here a lot is the clintonville neighborhood Mm Hmm. yeah clintonville is uh north of the neighborhood i'm in so it's you know my neighborhood's a short north that's kind of the food capital of columbus that's where all the great restaurants what, short are north, just is? north of that the short north yeah okay. so technically technically the uh the convention center is in the short north um and that's where you're going to get your jenny's ice cream which i know they have in nashville yeah. but it's yeah. it's rooted in columbus and that's where you'll find a lot of your smaller uh, boutique restaurants that are just super delicious but clintonville also has a lot um, so I would, I would really encourage you one day walk north on high street from the convention center, just go north and you'll see tons of restaurants. And then the next day, maybe go south and see German village and check out all the restaurants or shops down there. Okay. So what are the couple of can't miss places? I would definitely check out Roosevelt coffee. Uh, it's, it's not too far away. If you like coffee and mission coffee, both of those are run by great, great people. Um, and 
you know, they, they've brought just a ton of good to our city. So if you're, if you're coffee, those are the two shops to get, um, for pastries. If you, if you like pastries, Fox in the snow cafe, it's right behind my house. It's just so it's the best of baked goods. But if you're bringing your family, I definitely say you have to hit up the zoo and make the drive out to the zoo. It, our Columbus zoo is one of the best zoos in the U S yeah. and so is Kosai which is our, our science center, which is really close to the convention center as well. And so if you've got kids, you're bringing kids, so you got to go check that out. Those are, those are a few spots I would, I would definitely, um, definitely check out. Okay. And, uh, if say somebody's coming in, they maybe want to squeeze around a golf in any recommended places out there for that. Well, Mirfield oh, oh, is yeah. the premier. Yeah. So that's kind of this weekend, right? No, we're taping yeah. this, uh, we're taping this a couple or a week out. So, yeah, that's this weekend right now. I think they take it off this morning. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so you 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 know if you can manage to handle it up there, um, that's that's the one that everybody suggests. I'm not a golfer, so I don't. I would be the worst person probably to ask <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, all right. And there's a couple other things you mentioned in in the list here. There's Buckeye Donuts. Yeah, Buckeye Donuts are great donuts. There's also Donut King, um, DK Diner. I don't know if that's on here. Yeah, it is. Okay, DK Diner is a really great place if you just want donuts. Um, I'll be honest. I think Columbus could do a little bit better job with the do- in the donut <laughs> department. Okay. But uh, Buckeye Buckeye's not bad. That's where a lot of the college students go. Yeah. So if you want to interact with college students and just uh, spend some time meeting them or here, it's right on the campus of Ohio State. Uh, so you can go visit with them. Anything interesting to see at, uh, at the campus there? Well, it's always fun to go up and check out the shoe, the horseshoe there. Uh, that's 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 always a really exciting time. Walking around campus is, um, you know, can be fun, I guess, for some. And, and it's a really beautiful campus. Uh, but literally, the best thing you could probably do if you wanted to is just take long walks up High Street. Okay. You can't get lost in Columbus because High Street goes all the way to the north side of Columbus, all the way to the south. So you can just, and it's right on, on the convention center is on High Street. So you can walk up and down as far as you want. And there's shops all over the place. Um, you know, you can go for miles. Hmm. Um, they have bikes you can rent. So if you want, if you want to okay. take a bike ride, you can rent bikes right at the convention center and go up north or south. Uh, there's a free bus. Also, that goes uh, right in front of the convention center all the way up into my neighborhood. Um, so there's a bus you can take. There's just tons of options to get around without park- messing with parking yeah. and all of that. Okay. Well, I know a lot of people, too, to be flying in. So a lot of them may not have cars. So uh, the mm-hmm. public transportation, that, that is a, uh, a nice thing to have. I was, I was going to ask you about that because I, I'm looking at I'm, I'm driving in, but I'm driving in with somebody else and planning on going to the soccer game on Saturday night because I'm coming in Saturday Great. morning. So I want to go yeah, see the crew I'll in the galaxy, there. man. So, uh, yep. just, it's, it's just bad that Stevie G won't be with the galaxy yet. That'd be kind of neat to see him, but who knows? <laughs> that would be cool. All right. Finally, I know that your church is really involved with the crossover Columbus event that's going on the weekend preceding. So I know there'll be a lot of people mm-hmm. coming in for that. Tell us a little about, about what you guys are doing, what's going on in Columbus that weekend. And if people want to get involved still, how they can do so. <laughs> Yeah, we've got, I mean, our, because our church is, the building is so close to uh, where the convention center is, we're kind of the home base for a lot of the operations for Fort Columbus. And so we're, 
we're doing a lot in our neighborhoods of just um, just servant evangelism and uh, throwing block parties, backyard Bible schools, a lot of things, uh, some traditional things like that. Um, but we're also helping with the poor Columbus, which is for the college students coming into the city. There's about 600 college students coming even the week before that. And we're hosting all the gatherings for that and uh, really excited to be a part of that. And then um, it's kind of the, the, the big finale for us as a church is we're having um, Dr. Russell Moore preaching on uh, the gospel and racial reconciliation at our church. And we're um, is that on Sunday morning? giving away, yeah, Sunday morning, okay. um, which we have three gatherings at our short North congregation, um, which anybody's welcome to come, but we're giving away a sonogram for that uh, to our local um, oh, okay. mission right. called the Stowe, Stowe mission. Uh, a so sonogram machine. Machine, yes. yes. Sorry, yeah. I should have clarified that. Sonogram, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're giving them with the machine um, to Stow Mission, which we're uh, actively involved with. Very cool. Very cool. What times are your services on Sunday? If people are interested in coming in, uh, you can look online to see where other congregations are. But the Short North one is eight thirty, ten o'clock, and eleven forty-five. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Now. You uh, you mentioned you look online. What's the website? Where can they connect more with uh, Veritas, and where can they connect more with you online? Go to veritascolumbus.com where they can connect uh, with the church. My uh, my blog nicknye.com is also uh, got a lot of posts there. But um, I, those are those are the places where you can find everything. Thanks for joining us, Nick. We uh, appreciate you coming on and telling us about the city. And we'll see you in just a couple days in Columbus. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, Jonathan and Nick. That was a great discussion, and I cannot wait to get to Columbus. Uh, Please remember this podcast is brought to you in part by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's Doctor of Ministry program. If you want more out of your ministry, want to study with a world-class faculty, and need to stay where you currently serve, the D-Min at Southeastern is the answer for you. Visit sebts.edu slash dmin for more information. And the big news of the week was the ACP data that was released earlier this week by LifeWay and the executive committee. Once again, Amy, the numbers are down from the previous year. This time, uh, a couple of numbers that jumped out was the total membership is down 1.5%, which roughly about 236,000 people. And the big one I I saw here was weekly worship attendance was down 2.75%. Yeah, that was kind of... uh surprising or the thing that jumped out at me, because when you look at membership numbers, you you question, okay, some of that's decline. Is some of that a cleaning of the roles? Is that, you know, more of a focus on what church membership means? And Mm -hmm. you're asking those questions, but worship attendance being down the way it was, uh, that jumped out at me yeah. and struck me. Well, and we've talked a little bit about that at TomRainer.com and on the podcast with Dr. Rayner about how worship attendance is down because people the same number of people may be coming but they're coming less frequently so your average attendance is going to drop because people just aren't as engaged as they once were so that may be some of it and probably is a good bit of it uh if you counted the unique number of people that were coming it may be around the same but their frequency drops that weekly worship attendance uh down so the engagement is down uh one of the, the the numbers that is down again is baptisms uh, 305,000 compared to 310,000 last year. Yeah. um, I mean, I know 5,000 is a really big difference. I know there's been conversations and these things are all anecdotal. I know there was a time when uh, 
maybe a lot of younger children were being baptized. And I know there are t- kind of a slowing of that. I don't know if that contributes to it. I, it's hard to know what, yeah. what is actually happening. Well, uh, we're also having fewer children as a societal yeah. uh, construct. I mean, fewer children mean fewer organic quote unquote converse uh, conversions where people are being raised in the the church right. so if, right. you know 20 years ago 30 years ago average you know was 2.75 or three kids per family and now it's down to two Less. just that that one little bit there across the entire denomination whenever we start getting to these big big numbers of you know 15 million members and 5.6 million people every week you know whenever you start talking about just that little drop in birth rate it's going to affect the denomination as a whole and you're going to drop, fire. you know, that could be that 5,000. It it's, it's probably a part of it. Uh, so, yeah. you know, don't want to dwell too much on that because I think that's just cultural norms as, as it is. We're not having as many kids. Uh, Bob Smetana, right. a friend of ours uh, who writes for CT, he's always harping on the fact that the white Protestant denominations like the Southern Baptist Convention, like the United Methodists, especially the Episcopalians and stuff like that, just not having as many kids Therefore, there are fewer kids to carry on the denomination. The denomination shrinks as people die and fewer replace them. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And obviously, we know that the, the rise of non-denominationalism yeah. has to be a part of It has another effect on it, too, yeah. Right. However, there was one bright number. Yes. We don't want to leave that out. Yes. Uh, churches increased. The number of churches in the Southern Baptist Convention increased from 46,125 to 46,499, a rise of uh, 374 for a 0.81% positive change. Yeah, so we are seeing traction over the last yep. few years of the major focus on church planting um, that obviously comes from the North American Mission Board, the Send North America mm-hmm. movement. Um, so that that evidence is is being seen. I think it's going to be interesting to see over time will yeah. that do anything to slow this downward trend. Yeah. Well, you kind of you have to wonder if that wasn't being emphasized, would these numbers be worse, and if so, how much worse? Because That's obviously, if you're if you're shrinking in churches, <laughs> it would probably precipitate even more shrinkage in the membership, baptisms, and attendance. Well, it's interesting. And of course, this is the same conversation we have every year. We get yep. these numbers the week before. Uh, so it we go into this meeting somewhat you know, sobered by this to just say, okay, what do we need to be thinking about? What do we need to yeah. focus on? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head there with the focus. Uh, we, we, we see these numbers. It's, it's hard to deny the fact that there is a decline. You know, it's been over multiple years now. Some at first thought maybe it was just a, a blip. Uh, now it's become a trend. Uh, we work uh, with uh, Ed Stetzer, and he has talked about this for the, you know, the last few years. He doesn't seem as uh, negative as some. Uh, he believes that you know this is something that can be turned around. And, and also, he's also pointing to the same things we talked about here, especially the rise in non-denominationalism and right. uh, the, the growth that's going on there, a rapid growth. Uh, it seems to be eroding some of the borderline, you know, denominationally affiliated churches. Some of them are just kind of moving away from denominational affiliation and moving to a non-denominational um, perspective. And, you know, that's hurting not just the Southern Baptist Convention and numbers, but also other denominations as well. Yeah, I think I think it just reminds us we need to be thinking through what does it mean uh, to be a denominational people. What? Uh, why do we do this? Why do we step back and say we can do more together than we can do apart? 
And, uh, you know, as we think ahead in the future, how do we face a world that doesn't think that way? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, generations as they come and go, uh, their perspectives on denominations and the politics and everything that's involved with them, that perspective changes from generation to generation. And even within the generations, just in maybe even regional uh, associations, you know, somebody who's a Southern Baptist in the South versus Southern Baptist in the North or the West or the Midwest may have different opinions or different thoughts on the de- denomination as a whole. So, right, right. Uh, we've got the links to the full report, all the, the tallies per state as well uh, in the Baptist Press article. And, you know, we'll probably be talking more about this in the future as it relates to the Southern Baptist Convention and yes. the uh, decline of evangelicalism or the proposed decline of evangelicalism, which we've pretty much shown over the past few months. Uh, that's really not the case. It's really mainline Protestantism that is declining rapidly. Evangelicalism is going strong, just yes. maybe not in denominational uh, ways. Yes. But anyway, it's always interesting to kind of look at these, figure out what it means. We're all going to have different observations that we make. Uh, But more than anything, it's important that we take it seriously. So it is. All right, Jonathan, my resource of the week uh, should be no surprise to those who know me well. (laughs) I have brought uh, Barry McCarty's Parliamentary Guide for Church Leaders. And you have an autographed copy of that, don't you? I do. I do. I got one in the mail for my birthday one year. So I have long. That's probably like your most favorite birthday present ever. Yes. I have uh, long been a fan of Barry McCarty, mainly because of some background interests going back to college years uh, that I have had in parliamentary procedure and have, have known and learned. And so I was always fascinated at the SBC as I would watch the parliamentarian do his work. Yep. And so one year, uh, a very kind mutual friend of ours, uh, mentioned to him that it was my birthday and he said, happy birthday on Twitter to me. So that's how I met him, uh, in the end. And then I got a signed copy for my birthday a couple of years later. So that was that was pretty fun. My birthday is always around the SBC annual meeting. So it just hit at the right time, but, uh, he did write a book that was published by a B and H and it's actually been out for a very long time. Just had its silver anniversary edition. He is, uh, the chief parliamentarian of the Southern Baptist convention and is actually a pastor. He is a, um, he is a pastor, of Peachtree Christian Church, I believe, in Atlanta, Georgia. And his wife, Miss Pat, uh, works for the North American Mission Board and has done so for many years. So he's a great friend uh, to Southern Baptists, and he has seen it all through the years. So yep. yeah, there are some pretty incredible stories. But this resource is, uh, is a very good one because what he's done, uh, if you have looked at Robert's Rules of Order, do you have a copy of Robert's Rules, Jonathan? I do not. I am friends with you. So I can text you whenever I have a question. So so you know that I have it, but it is pretty (laughs) thick and it is a lot to wade through. Uh, So what he's done is just kind of taken the essential rules of procedure and made them understandable really to, to to just be able to participate in church meetings, uh, convention meetings, things like that. So he's taken what we really need for these types of meetings and has provided that as a resource. So every year to the SBC, I take my parliamentary guide for church leaders. I take my Robert's rules and then I have a condensed Robert's rules. And between the three of those, I'm I'm pretty well covered. Yes, you are. And we got to get Barry on next year and get some stories. 
Absolutely. Barry has got stories. It's a little too late to get him on this year, but uh, we'll talk to him at convention, line up something, and maybe in some of those downtime uh, weeks throughout the year, we can get Barry on to tell some SBC history stories, behind the scenes type stuff, because he has seen and heard a lot more than we would ever even dream, probably. Yes. Yes, he has. All right. right, What's your resource, Jonathan? Well, I'm going to go with the, uh, I mentioned it at the top of the show. I'm going to go with the Pastor Helpline. It's something new that we've done and partnered with uh, Focus on the Family for. And it is a helpline for pastors who just need somebody to talk to, whether it's um, just marriage issues, church issues, personal depression, uh, those kind of things. A lot of times pastors don't have a place to turn, don't have, you know, feel embarrassed sometimes to even to mention those to their uh, pastor colleagues. Or, or just don't know where to turn. And the Pastor Helpline is here to help. Uh, 1-844-4-PASTOR. And that's uh, 1-844-472-7867. 1-844-472-7867. And it's a free service that we uh, provide for pastors. Uh, regardless of denomination, uh, there is an SBC-specific uh, line there. Uh, they can help you out. And just, you know, pastors, it's there for you. Use it. Um, we... We hate to have the the stories that we covered uh, like we did at the top of the show. And uh, pastors, uh, there are helplines out there for you. Uh, We would encourage you to use those. Yes. All right, Amy, I think that'll do it with this week's episode of SBC This Week. Uh, Any final closing thoughts about Columbus, what you're looking forward to, uh, you know, when we get to the city? Yeah, looking forward to eating in some good places. And probably my favorite thing every year is just seeing friends. Yeah. So it's a great it's a great time to reconnect. And we'll, we're looking forward to that. So if you see us at the SBC annual meeting, say hello. Uh, we'd love to meet you. I'd love to, to put it face with a, a Twitter profile. I know we got a couple of people that we've met online. Um, yeah. that we're looking forward to meeting for the first time. It's funny how that always happens. You kind of meet people throughout the year, and then you you see them once a year. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we will see you in Columbus. We'll be back here next week with a full recap of everything that went down in Ohio. Uh, Hopefully it won't be too eventful. (laughs) Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. You never know, though. We'll know Uh, next week. We will. We will. So we'll see you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on SBC This Week. Bye, everybody.